We begin our worship this morning with confessing that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. And receive the Lord's greeting, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Congregation, let's open the word of God this morning to Luke 12, where we'll read from verse 54 to 13, verse 5. Gospel of Luke. Luke 12, beginning at verse 54, and this is the word of God. The words of the Lord Jesus here. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. There were some present at that very time who, who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were, are worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The text for the sermon this morning is Luke chapter 13, the verses 6 to 9. there we read the word of God as follows. And he, Jesus, told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let alone this year also, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and Put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So far, the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, boys and girls, to belong to the Lord. Every day you hear in the news about people losing their lives due to accidents or crimes, and nowadays we always read and hear the statistics about how many people have died because of the COVID virus, COVID-19, how many deaths yesterday. Well, some people came to Jesus and told him some, some news, too, that they had heard about about the deaths of people around Jerusalem not long before, very tragic. seems that some Galileans had come to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, and the Roman authorities, for one reason or another, we don't know, 
what it was, but had killed some of them along with their sacrificial animals, mixed their blood with that of the sacrificial animals, and maybe poured it on the altar. And then the Lord Jesus himself, in his response, mentioned another sad incident that had also occurred not long before, was still news in those days. The Tower of Siloman had fallen, had collapsed, and 18 people had tragically died in that accident, maybe a construction accident. And then the, the Lord Jesus posed the question, which those people hadn't really asked, but he knew that it lived in their hearts. Why did those people have to die so tragically, suffering? Why, did, why could others simply continue to live and work and enjoy life? Were these people, was there something in these people's lives that, that caused this, that made this happen, that made the Lord bring this on them? Were these people who died worse sinners than the others in Jerusalem who still remained alive at the time? That's what a lot of people thought in those days. A person who died tragically must have been guilty of some extra serious sins. Or someone who was very sick. Think of Job. The friends of Job who accused him of having done something wrong. They tried to figure out why. Why did this happen to that person? Why? And that's something people tend to ask today, too, when they hear about senseless killings or so many sad COVID-19 deaths in the news and the whole pandemic. Why? Why this? Well, the Lord Jesus says very emphatically, it's the wrong question to really ask yourself to be busy with. Why this person is taken and another not belongs to God's secret counsel. Why God brings this about it's up to him, his, his counsel. We can't figure that all out. But the Lord Jesus turns the whole question around. Rather than questioning why others tragically die, he says, we have to ask ourselves, why am I alive yet? That's the biggest question of all. The question we need to ask also at this time in, the, in a pandemic. Why does God allow you in particular to go on living at this time? And that's the question the Lord wants to answer in our text with the parable of the fig tree. And I preached to you the, word, the Lord's answer to that question in our text with this theme. Jesus called to live a repentant life. Two parts to the sermon this morning. God seeks the fruit of repentance and God gives time to bear that fruit. First of all, then, God seeks the fruit of repentance. Congregation, Jesus wonderfully illustrated what he wanted to say with a, with a picture, with a parable. There was a certain man, and we could say that that man represents God himself, God the Father. And that man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. The vineyard, we could say, represents Israel in those days. The covenant people often called the vineyard of the Lord God. Think of Psalm 80, which we sang. Today we could say the church of God. And that fig tree is every member, you and I in particular. 
What fig tree was planted in the man's vineyard? That happened more often in those days. Fig trees can grow in tough and dry conditions, but sometimes if someone wanted more fruit and just for themselves, for their own consumption, then it would be planted in a vineyard. Grape vines needed better soil and would be watered when it was extra dry, and in a vineyard, the fig tree could be more protected from the dry winds that would blow there. So it could be expected that a fig tree would grow faster and be extra fruitful if it was planted in a vineyard. So that fig tree was given special attention and care, planted in such a good spot. That could actually be said of every covenant child of God. Then, as well as today, we have been planted with care by God. Not just a a twig stuck in the ground at random in some desert place. You and I, we've been planted with care. God deliberately chose a place for us to be born and to grow. We are in the time and place God chose for us, planted in good soil here among his people, hemmed in and cared for in the vineyard. Some maybe later on as adult trees already, but many of us as tiny shoots born and raised in Christian family. But all planted by God's grace in his vineyard, his church. And cared for by God via family and church. Watered, fertilized with the gospel in Sunday worship, in home visitation, in the family at home in Christian schools, in catechism, in the Bible study groups. How often haven't our souls been watered and fertilized over the years? How many times at home, church, or school has the Bible been read, opened and read, and haven't we heard prayers offered up to God for his grace and Holy Spirit? Thousands of times a year. How wonderful that God has chosen such a good place for us to be planted. What a privilege Fed, watered, fertilized, and protected among all the others in church here, in God's vineyard. While so many other fig trees just stand up and unprotected on the bare hills, not in a vineyard, not in a covenant family or covenant congregation, and they never or seldom hear the Bible read or prayers offered up. They stand in barren and dry soil. And you could understand why those fig trees wouldn't produce fruit, much fruit. Why am I, why are you planted in a vineyard while others are not? Or why have some ended up being transplanted there and others not? I don't know. Only God knows. He could, he could have let us be born in the middle of India in a Hindu family and, a, and culture or so. Or among people in Canada who know little or nothing about the Bible. Maybe think it's a book of fairy tales. God didn't do that. Of all people, he carefully planted you and me in his vineyard in good soil. What a privilege. Think about it. Well, thinking that through, he should be able to expect fruit from you. Should he not? If you were to plant an apple tree, for instance, you'd look, maybe not the next year, but the year after, to see if there's any apples on it, right? If you planted strawberries in your garden, you'd expect some fruit on the plants when you looked the following year or the year after, right? Well, God seeks fruit, too, from us. But in the parable, the owner of the vineyard doesn't find any fruit at all 
And then you need to realize that in the Middle East, a fig tree, after one year, normally would bear fruit twice a year even, sometimes even three times a year. You had early fruit in the spring and through the summer and then fruit again in the fall and even into the winter. And sometimes later in between those times, you could even find some extra fruit on, on a tree yet. So you could expect to see fruit on a fig tree maybe 10 months of the year. But the owner of the vineyard in the parable didn't find any fruit after three years. So he left it for a year, maybe two years, and then went three years in succession, no fruit. If the Lord God seeks fruit in us whom he planted in his vineyard, his church, will he find fruit? The fruit of faith and repentance. Will he see that we seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ alone? That's actually the fruit that comes with daily repentance, right? Seeking your life in Christ alone. That the self-righteousness that lives in us by nature is being put to death and that we humbly seek a righteousness and life in Jesus Christ. That we hate and flee sin with our hearts and love and delight in God's will and word with our whole heart. It's a struggle, but that we love it. What God wants from us. That the fruit of the Spirit... You can read about that listed in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All things that our heart felt, that they more and more become part and parcel of your character. That you struggle to make that part of your character. God seeks the fruit of repentance in that parable, but he finds none on that fig tree. Over three years, maybe the Lord Jesus had in time here, had in mind here the time of his ministry, his proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom to Israel for those three years. But there was little or no fruit for God. The leaders in particular, they did not bow to him. No fruit. There were leaves, lots of leaves. Fig fig trees have large leaves, shiny leaves. The leaves, we could say, are following all kinds of traditions. Looks good. Looks good. But no fruit underneath. No heartfelt repentance or love. And that fruit has to be in the heart, first of all. What about us? Maybe lots of leaves. You do all the right things, all the expected things in church and life. But is there really that fruit of repentance that comes out of the heart? The fruit of Galatians 5. Maybe really small yet, but at least fruit. You know, if you you planted that apple tree or that strawberry plant in your garden and you didn't find any fruit after two or three years... What would you say? I'm going to take that tree, that plant out of the soil, and I'm going to plant a new one. Make space for a new one. It's just using up space in my garden. Didn't produce anything. So what could be more logical and reasonable for God to say to? Remove that tree, that plant from my vineyard that doesn't produce anything. 
They're not bearing fruit anyway, just taking up room that somebody else could have. God has every right to do that, doesn't he? If there's no fruit of faith and repentance growing in your life, heartfelt faith and repentance. Maybe we think, maybe we're thinking, you know, I'll break with that sin later on, maybe. Later on, but not now. I'll change the way I act later, maybe. Non, more opportune moment. But I'm too busy now, too involved with other things. I don't want to stick out among my friends or my co-workers. Now is not the time. And besides, God should give me time yet. I haven't had the best circumstances in my life. I've had a lot of difficulties and disadvantages to deal with. Maybe later, later maybe. Oh, the, the owner of the vineyard, our God, is very patient. That's very clear from Jesus' parable, too. When the owner of the vineyard waits for years to give that fig tree opportunity to bear fruit. Don't think he just went once a year. He went often to see, is there fruit? So long-suffering, so patient. He plants it in his vineyard in good soil, has the tree watered, fertilized. He's willing to wait years so that that fig tree has ample time to bear fruit. So he's not unreasonable then when he seeks the fruit he has a right to in our lives. But he, he's not, you realize, he's not going to wait forever. The question the Lord Jesus wants us to ask ourselves today in the light of the tragic deaths we read in the newspapers or hear about in the news, and in the light of this pandemic, this COVID crisis is not why those deaths, why this, but what about my life? What about me? Does my life bear fruit for God? Is my life to God's glory? That's where it should bring us. That's what life, your my life is about. Not about being successful or rich or nice or even happy as such. No, God gives us life today so that we might bear fruit for him, to his glory, like a fig tree in a vineyard. We come to the second part of the sermon. God gives us time to bear that fruit. Why doesn't, he, why doesn't God just end things with us if there's no fruit? Well, there's... there's another individual in this parable and that's the vine dresser he's apparently the person who works in and cares for the vine vineyard and on behalf of the uh, the owner of the vineyard i don't think we go far wrong if we see this person as the lord jesus christ himself the servant of god he intercedes for the fig tree he intercedes prays for the fig tree he was born man. He walked with us here. He knows the temptations we face. He was tempted as he, he, we are, yet without sin. And that's why he's such a wonderful high priest for us to have in heaven. As it says, Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was in all things tempted as we are, yet without sin. He intercedes, he, he ascended into heaven and intercedes there before God's throne for us, for his people. 
He places himself between almighty and holy God and us. And he asks for more time for us, among other things. More time to grow the fruits of faith and repentance. That's why we're here. The vine dresser in the parable says, sir, give it more time. Let me dig around that tree and loosen the soil and let me put manure around it to fertilize it. Think again of the Lord Jesus. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Don't count their sins against them now, but give them time to repent. That they would know about his crucifixion and death and resurrection and then come to insight afterwards through the preaching of his gospel. That's what he means with digging around that fig tree so the water reaches the roots and fertilizing it with manure. He asked the father to give time and he yearns for that tree to bear fruit yet. That's his desire that sinners repent and live. The desire to save overcomes the right to destroy. Congregation, that's why you and I are still here today, still living God's justice is restrained by his mercy in Christ, by Christ's intercession for each one of us. And that's why we're still here. See, we we shouldn't think that because we're alive and we can enjoy life here means that things are all good between God and us on an ongoing basis. No, that we're alive at this moment is because Jesus bore the burden of God's wrath against us on the cross, the tree that more only perfect fruit was cut down and thrown into the fire. And he rose from the dead and now intercedes for us at God's right hand. Father, give them time to hear and to see and to grow and to bear fruit. Give them time. By his intercession, Jesus holds back God's righteous judgment against our sins that we have time to bear fruit befitting repentance yet. He has no pleasure in the death of the sinner, but that he turns and that he lives. Congregation, if you think that through, wouldn't that bring you to, wouldn't that bring you to flee to Jesus Christ and in faith and humble repentance every day again, struggle to bring forth that fruit? Every time you open the Bible, every time you hear the gospel here in church, he's calling you. Come to me. With one hand, he holds back God's justice, and with the other, he tells you, come. In faith and repentance. And if you see things like that, if you see it like that, then that should make you incredibly humble every day again, right? Every time, every day you have life. Lord, what a wonder that I'm still here, that I'm still given time to produce fit. A fruit befitting repentance that you haven't gotten tired of me and all my weaknesses and my sins and sinfulness and cut me down and said, that's it. Thrown me into the fire, but that you carried me through all the years of my life and day by day gave me the time and what I needed in your word and in the church so that I could produce fruit befitting repentance Heartfelt repentance. Maybe there was a time when there was little or no fruit of of faith and repentance in your life. Well, what a wonder then it is that 
Jesus said to God the Father, wait, wait, give him, give her some time yet in their lives. Maybe five years, maybe 50, maybe more. See, that's what the vine dresser prays to the owner of the vineyard. He asks for time, time to dig and loosen the soil. Jesus digs up the soil of your life like that, digs it up. He, he does that by chastising you, testing you, digs up. When things are being overturned in your life, when the ground under your life is dug up and shaken up so that the word of God sinks in, has the opportunity to sink in and have deeper meaning for you. You become more sensitive to the truth of the gospel through that, more dependent on Christ by what you struggle with, more thoughtful than just living for the moment. And then the vine dresser is busy letting the word sink in like water into your soul more and more. He waters, he digs, he fertilizes. You listen more closely to the preaching of the word and then it can seem as if parts of the sermon are directed right at you. Or the words of the Bible meditation you're reading in the morning or in the evening is exactly for your situation, exactly what you needed at that moment. It's beautiful. Then the vine dresser is at work, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, so that you can bring forth fruit in your life more and more, so that you more and more seek your life outside of yourself and Jesus Christ in living for him, heartfelt, daily. And it's your Savior who's patiently, graciously at work in you then. So you continue to grow while you have the time so that you may not be cut down and thrown away, but transplanted transplanted to heaven to bear fruit to God's glory forever. But if in spite of the work of the vine dresser, there is still no fruit, the owner's patience will come to an end. He'll tell the vine dresser, well, it's time. Just cut it down. And no one will be able to say then that's too harsh or unjust. But then the time was wasted and misused. The time here And that time will never come back. That time is gone. And in hell, there's only weeping and gnashing of teeth in eternal regret. We mentioned that the vine dresser looks like Jesus. Well, a vine dresser in Bible times had servants working for him too. We don't have to think he was the only one. We can think then of the Lord's servants around us, office bearers who the vine dresser has appointed to help him take care of his vineyard and, and fig trees. You can think of parents, teachers, also servants in God's vineyard. In a way, we're all servants of the Lord here, all called to help and encourage and admonish with word and deed so that the master of the vineyard might find fruit on you, that you have borne fruit. And every servant is then called to be like the great servant of God, Jesus, in another way too, another way too, with respect to making intercessions for each other. Think of Job, who, according to Job 1, as a parent, regularly prayed for his children because, as he said, it may be that my children have forsaken God in their hearts. He prayed for the hearts of his children. 
And if you as a servant in God's vineyard notice a fig tree that doesn't seem to be growing much or any fruit, then like the chief vine dresser, you go out and make intercessions for that person. You pray for them. And then you reach out and encourage, to encourage, to edify, maybe even to admonish, admonish in order to call to repentance. In the words of the Lord Jesus, blessed is that servant whom his master finds so doing when he comes, praying and working so that all may be fruitful for God. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's the Lord Jesus' lesson in reaction to the news in those days about those Galileans who were horribly killed by Pilate and those people who tragically died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. He wanted his disciples to understand what those, all those happenings in the news were about, all those deaths, so that they would ask themselves the right question, not why did those people die, but why am I alive? Am I planted in God's vineyard by grace? Am I using the opportunity today to produce the fruit of heartfelt faith and daily repentance to God's glory? And then we need to use the time given to us through the intercession of Christ to let his word and spirit work in us so that we together here too bear fruit. The time to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, is today, now. Forgive me for what I did to you. The time to give up that sinful habit we know we have to give up is now, today. The time to produce the fruit of love, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness for God is now, while you're still here. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord and go in peace the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.